This installment of the AX Insider podcast features a conversation with Christina Casotis, CEO of Allegheny County Airport Authority, which runs Pittsburgh International Airport. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the AX Insider podcast. My name is Andy Telejohn. I'm the senior writer at Airport Experience News. Today, we're talking with Christina Casotis, CEO of the Allegheny County Airport Authority, which runs Pittsburgh International Airport. It's always fun catching up with Christina because there's always something going on in Pittsburgh. She arrived in 2015 and helped the airport reinvent itself into an O&D venue after it was dehubbed by U.S. Airways. In 2017, the airport introduced My Pit Pass, becoming the first airport to allow non-ticketed visitors beyond security to shop and eat. Uh, I think that's probably a little on hold right now, but uh, as I said, there's always something going on. Christina, thanks for joining us. Now, it's great to be here, and it's uh, it's great to be talking to you, so thank you. Thanks. Uh, we're talking today under slightly less enjoyable circumstances, at least for the industry as a whole, with uh, the effects of COVID continuing to decimate aviation, at least for the time being. Yet, every few weeks, my email inbox is, uh, uh, I welcome a press release from Pittsburgh talking about something new that's going on. Uh, just kind of catch us up on how things are going overall uh, during this time in Pittsburgh with traffic and the like as related to COVID and all of that. Well, we, we, followed, we followed the trend of the industry, right? April was just the cliff dive and we, we watched all of our hard work circle the drain and, and dropped 95% of our business, just went away, passengers, revenue, and it was it was bleak. So we we pivoted, obviously, like a lot of people did, and a lot of airports, airlines, anybody in the industry looked hard at how we were going to manage through this, how long we thought we had to manage through this, and came up with a strategy that really actually follows the business strategy that we had in place already. So we are now back up at about 30% of passenger activity. That's better than five percent but it's a lot less than a hundred percent right so we know we have a long way to go and we are you know we're doing our best to make uh lemonade out of lemons yeah uh, that seems to be the story right now uh but but through this all you have managed to to uh, as you say create some lemons out of lemonade one of the thing or lemonade out of lemons right uh, <laughs> Uh, let's try to keep things positive here. Uh, one thing that I was intrigued by uh, as this was all kicking off, you introduced ultraviolet cleaning robots that were mm -hmm. a part of uh, deep cleaning the airport just as COVID hit. And what uh, was that? In, what is that? Was that in play for a while? What uh, drove that? And how is that working out? Well, we have been working with Carnegie Robotics on the testing of autonomous floor scrubbers here at the airport about a year prior to COVID hitting. What happened, and then they went and they tested them in other airports, other facilities, et cetera. We, because we're in Pittsburgh, we were the first place they started. So that's great. We were happy to do that. And then when COVID hit, their, uh, their chief commercial officer called me and said, or chief, excuse me, their CFO, their chief financial officer called and said, hey, we want to put a UV light, uh, you know, we want to put a UV light on these floor scrubbers and test the efficacy. Are you interested? And I said, we just had a conversation uh, with our IT folks about whether or not UV lights, because of their application in hospitals, 
could have some use at airports. This is fortuitous timing. Within a week and a half, we had a scrubber outfitted with a UV light working at the airport. We now have four, and they are named after significant aviation figures. They all have their own unique personalities. Um, no surprise, we have uh, Wilbur and Orville and Amelia, and we also have Rosa, who was the only African-American Tuskegee airwoman uh, from Pittsburgh, actually from Butler County. So, you know, we, we see this as a, a wonderful opportunity to highlight the robotics industry in Pittsburgh. We see this as an opportunity to test the efficacy of the UV lights, which it turns out is, is quite remarkable uh, on pathogens. And we see this as an opportunity to promote some local aviation heroes. I was actually going to ask if the robots had names and personalities, but I Dude. thought people would think I was a goofball. So no, it's and it and people love seeing them, right? I mean, they they are they're operating constantly on uh, the in the land side on the land side facilities and in the air side facilities. People like seeing cleaning happening in this day and age. You know, the assurance that we are continually cleaning is 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 gratifying to people. In the old days. We were all trying to clean, you know, around passengers so we weren't interfering. And they're basically saying, go ahead, just make sure it's, it's still clean. So that's one of the ways that, uh, that we're doing that is through the application and the constant energy that's put out by these, uh, by these robots. Interesting. That's, uh, that's good stuff. That's, uh, that definitely is a uh, unique way of uh, getting folks a little more comfortable in the surroundings like they're going to have to be, uh, it sounds like, uh, before they start to fly on a regular basis again. Yeah, we're really focused on how, how we set early on one of the goals that we set for ourselves is what's our responsibility and how can we help restore confidence in travel. Regardless of the fact that we were down 95% in our passenger traffic, for the 5% of the people who were traveling for reasons that I'm sure were significant, it could have been, I mean, at one point I had to go home to, to, you know, visit a dying relative and, you know, I flew. So how do we make sure that people who had to fly, there were medical professionals going back and forth from hotspots, um, how could they feel safe and secure? How could our staff feel comfortable coming to work every day? Uh, so these were the these were the goals that we set really early on, and when the opportunity came up through Carnegie Robotics to partner on these UV um, uh, the UV light attachments on the autonomous floor scrubbers, we were like absolutely, and and it's it's really turned out to be, you know, uh, among all the other things that we're doing, um, incredibly uh, important for our our staff and our passengers to see. Okay, great. Uh, we have talked a number of times over the years about uh, and mentioned in the intro how uh, Pittsburgh has transformed itself over the years. Uh, you were in the process, as I recall, of designing uh, a massive modernization of the airport to right-size it for the airport that you are now. Mm -hmm. I know that that was put on hold for a while when this all happened, but I, I, I think uh, I also read that there were some health aspects uh, being drawn into the plans that were revised slightly uh, after this all came out as well. So what can you tell me about where that's all at right now? 
Well, I'm impressed at how, how well-versed you are and what's going on with our project. Thank you for paying attention. It's, I, wish, I wish it were that easy with everybody. So we, we have, we, put, we definitely put construction on hold. So we were, we were to break ground on some early works projects in April, and the timing of that was just not going to work, right? It, it was not the right time to do that. So we have put those off, and we have taken a little bit of a detour we were at about 60% design when COVID hit, and we decided to use some time to take a look at what the possible design impacts of a pandemic would be. We all know what happened after 9-11. We had to shoehorn in EDS machines and TSA checkpoints into existing infrastructure. So as one of the airports that would be opened post-pandemic, what might, what might we be seeing in terms of design changes? How can we get a, a handle on that and take a look at what's happening in other parts of the industry around the world with other airports um, and talk to you know, health professionals, travel professionals, airport professionals to see what do we wanna plan for not only coming out of this pandemic, but making sure that, you know, unfortunately, if another one were to occur at some point in the future, we'd be ready for that as well. So we, we are taking a little detour in design and we've spent a lot of time looking at some opportunities there. Um, we have delayed the construction start, but we have every expectation to get to that. If we needed this right sizing and modernizing before, we needed even more now, right? Even more. And, and really the goal of that is to lower the costs to the airlines and to, to stabilize those costs, to lower them, uh, to create a really truly efficient facility and um, to finally build Pittsburgh's airport, which a lot of people are looking forward to in this community. Sure, yep. Uh, any concrete uh, ideas on what might change in the design or what, you're, what you've, any answers you've come to at this point? Yeah, so what we've done is we've spent, I've, I think we spent about eight weeks going through this and we've broken things down into now, near, and next, right? What, can, what really is likely to come out of this that would affect long-term design? what things can we do right now and what things might we want to look at testing that we can implement prior even to the opening of the new terminal. So we've, we've categorized those into different buckets and we're in the process of finalizing some decisions. So I don't want to, I don't want to um, prejudice any, anything yet or, or tip our hand yet because we haven't made any final decisions, but you know, it's, it's everything from, you know, looking at air filtration systems to looking at customer conveniences like perhaps some interesting hand washing stations coming out of TSA. Do people, you know, it, we're all a little sticky with all of this uh, hand sanitizer that we're putting and using. And it's great. It's a good thing. But do people just want to kind of put their hands in and, and get clean? And there are, it's fascinating. The industry is responding and people are approaching us all the time and approaching partners of ours all the time with solutions. And we're wondering which ones we should test in, in this space right now. So that's what we're evaluating is what makes the most sense? What can we afford? Who can we partner with? You can imagine there's not a lot of extra money sitting around these days. So, you know, where do we get the biggest bang for the buck? Sure. Sure. We'll look for uh, more information on that down the line then. Uh, you've also, uh, well before COVID, came out, Pittsburgh announced, I guess this was around last fall sometime, that you'd become the first airport powered entirely by your own microgrid. Yeah. Uh, so 
where is that at? I, I found that very intriguing. Uh, sustainability, is that still on track? And sustainability, is that going to continue to be as big a thing as it was prior to COVID? Well, resiliency is, I can tell you that. Whether it's yep. sustainability, right? Resiliency and sustainability, yes, I think sustainability is going is a, is a, something that a lot of people are paying attention to and will continue to pay attention to for all the right reasons. We care a lot about sustainability, lowering the cost of energy for us. We care about cost savings and being as efficient as possible. We also care about making sure that we've got resiliency so that we don't go down, right? The grid now becomes our backup. We happen to have gas under our feet. And of course, we all have the, the benefit of solar technology, no matter where we are in the world, but we also have the benefit of gas, natural gas under our feet. So in an effort to support that industry and to lower our own costs, we're building this microgrid. We broke ground last month. It's on time and on budget and it's costing us nothing. That's the best kind of project these it's days. the best kind of project. We have, a, we have a terrific partner in People's Natural Gas. Uh, we went through a very extensive process to select them. We are really looking forward to continuing. We've been working with them for over a year on design and permitting and all of the things that go into that. And I drove out there actually the other night and it's, it's on track. We're excited about it by next spring. It should be operational and we should start to see cost savings then. I was just going to ask you about the, the cost uh, savings piece of this. Uh, is this, uh, what kind of a, what kind of savings are you expecting from this? We're expecting hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in utility savings. And, and we are expecting that again, that there's, if you add on to that, what we're going to save in terms of resiliency, redundancy, and not sort of having that panic of what happens if, I mean, that, that is worth a whole lot in, in the long term. So this ends up being um, five natural gas fired generators, as well as eight acres of solar. And the solar farm is, is in the process of getting installed. That's something that will actually be very visible to uh, the Pittsburgh resident or visitor. I imagine that hundreds of thousands of dollars of savings can uh, be spread yeah. out uh, spread out quite a bit these days. Uh, you mentioned earlier lowering the cost of the airlines. That can't hurt there either, I, uh, I suppose. No, and that's part, that's part of what goes into it, right? I mean, this is, it, you know, when things are, when things are, when you're in a crisis, it's a cost, it's a cost savings game, right? It, it, when things are expanding, it's all about how much revenue you can generate and, and where your opportunities are. Not that you're not paying attention to costs, but right now our focus is, is really strongly on on where we can save, how, okay, how we can operate more efficiently, and we expect that that will have long-term impacts. And and we will, you know, let's not waste the crisis. What can we do better? Sure. How can we think about this differently to take us into the future? Sure. Yeah. That uh, that's uh, that's great. You've got a couple other projects going on that fall under the non-aeronautical revenue. Uh, category that are taking you into the future as well. Uh, you've got a big uh, uh, innovation campus, uh, Neighborhood 91. Uh, what? Uh, tell us a little bit about that and where that's at. So that is a 195-acre site on our property, at, right across from our long-term parking lot. So it's very it's walking distance to the terminal. And we have been working for the past couple of years to really look at what's the best and highest use for our land development. We have zoning in place and we have 
the ability to engage with partners on real estate development, but really what we want to know is, well, where's the highest and best use for the community and for the airport? And so after a whole lot of interactive and ongoing um, uh, workshops with community members and you know, uh, doing all the things you're supposed to do, we realized the additive manufacturing industry really needs a home in the United States. It's pretty disparate, it's spread out. That distance between key components of the system is what's adding to the cost and causing the adoption of this to go slower because it's just not as cost effective. So what if we could condense all of the major players in one neighborhood? So neighborhood 91 comes from the fact that Pittsburgh has 90 unique neighborhoods and this is the 91st. Um, I grew up, I am the Sesame Street generation, so I remember the song, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? I could sing it, but I have a terrible voice, so I won't do that to you or the listeners. But, you know, this is really, who are the people in your neighborhood? Who do you need in order to have this whole ecosystem represented? And we have, you know, been really lucky. We, we secured about $20 million in state grants to clear the land, get it utility ready, um, we've secured a master developer for the real estate. We have a master plan a design for the 195 acres. We're working on the first 13 acre parcel right now. And uh, we have, we, we um, are about to break ground on the first building, which is already sold out in a pandemic. So we know this is going to work. And we, uh, we happen to be, you know, Pittsburgh makes things. We were a manufacturing hub at one point. And we expect that we can get back there with the help of the ecosystem that Carnegie Mellon and the University of Pittsburgh have created through robotics and AI. So if you think about what 3D printers are, they're, um, they're sort of AI powered um, big robots, right? Sure, so this sure. is bringing together a lot of the skills and the natural talent and resources of this area, putting it in one place and saying, okay, locate here, save a whole bunch of money because you're not, it doesn't take you time, you know, to print in one place and get heat treated in another and get finished somewhere else. It's all just right here. So ta-da, let's, uh, let's facilitate the adoption of this as a technology and, and actually start to push forward this industry um, with some local players as well as some international ones. And that's what we'll be announcing. We're talking today with Christina Casotis, the CEO of the Allegheny County Airport Authority about developments that are taking place uh, during the COVID pandemic uh, at P Pittsburgh International Airport. Uh, I understand you're also getting into the cargo game. You've, uh, you, 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 your traffic might be slow, but there's a lot going on. Tell me about your, uh, your dive into cargo. Yeah, so the, what, what, actually one of the things that we've been saying lately is that, you know, it, it might look like there's not a lot going on here, but we're almost busier than ever in some, of the, in some of the areas that we had identified as potential areas of growth. We're just moving really quickly on. Real estate development is one and cargo is the other. And I think that there's a lot of excitement around cargo, and I'm, I'm actually really happy for all of my uh, colleagues in the cargo industry, because I think for years they felt like, why aren't we, you know, getting more attention, right? And man, it is all about cargo right now. Passenger planes are having seats ripped out, and uh, and there's the e-commerce is is going through the roof, and um, 
anyway, so we we had we have been working to secure a number of FEMA flights and offering the facility as a you know a pretty quick turnaround facility for PPE equipment that needed to get into the region. And now we're really looking to a number of industry partners at how we can position ourselves as a logistics hub. Um, we've got you know we've got four cargo buildings now. We're about to build our fifth with a uh, federal grant, um, actually a build grant. And we're gonna be, we just are getting the design uh, proposals back in today, actually, for that building. And in the meantime, we're really doing a deep dive into the industry to, to start to position Pittsburgh as, a, as an alternative gateway for cargo, given how much more is, is just going on these days in the market overall. And we expect it to stay, right? So I, I don't know, do you, you, you shop online or a spouse or a kid or somebody in your life is shopping online, I guess, Andy? As, uh, as I mentioned before we hit the record button, my, my wife set a personal record a couple months ago during the uh, COVID quarantine getting uh, five Amazon shipments delivered in a single day. Uh, so yeah, there's a little bit of uh, e-commerce going on here at the house. So, so my contention with that is that you know, those of us, and it, I don't know what your wife's habit was prior to COVID. Mine was not, I was not a big e-commerce shopper. I, I, out of habit, out of whatever, I just, I wasn't. I have become one and I'm not likely to let that go. So my expectation is that we'll see a structural shift in the industry towards more cargo that will be sustainable. And, and so therefore we're willing to invest in positioning ourselves as a, as a place for quick turnaround and efficient operation for carriers, freight forwarders, truckers, right, who care about time. And, you know, we happen to have a large enough facility and enough space that we can make it easy here. So, sure. yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's fun. It's a whole different part of the, it's a whole different part of the industry, though. It's, yeah. it's, it, it's different people are making decisions and, and uh, it's, it's just not, it's not a cut and paste from commercial air service work. No, no, for sure. Uh, it, uh, we, we, were, we were doing a little bit. We were probably five uh, packages a month rather than five packages a day before. Uh, a day. Had, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, it's definitely become a bigger thing here too. I imagine that we could uh, probably talk for hours about what uh, e-commerce might do to the uh, concessions makeup in, uh, in the airport at some point too, but that... Uh, uh, well, but yeah, but so that's I and, and some at some point I'd love to I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because you spend a lot of time thinking about these things and I know you have a lot of conversations around that. You know, first of all, everybody there's always going to be somebody who needs something right that minute. So we we know that there's something to be said for the traditional model staying in place, but it's not good enough. There's got to be some innovation in that space, and um, and I'm really eager to see what that looks like as we go into the new terminal. Sure, sure. Is it your sense you've got uh, with uh, with cargo and real estate, not that non-aeronautical revenue hasn't been a big subject for a number of years now, but uh, it all it almost seems that uh, as this all this covid all plays out, uh, it, it might uh, it might be even gaining importance, gaining in importance. Uh, yes, no. Well, I think, so first of all, I think as airports, we've always paid attention to non-aeronautical revenue because it helps lower the aeronautical charges for airlines. So we've always paid attention to it. The problem is, is that it's tied to the number of passengers and the number of flights. 
if that goes away, it's really about, to me, it's about the diversification of the non-aeronautical revenue streams, right? So passenger clearly is the big, you know, 800 pound gorilla and the, 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 the non-aeronautical revenue tied to your number of passengers is critical revenue per passenger, you know, and as well as the number of passengers. So, right. It's the, it's the quality and the quantity, but okay. Now, and then you break that down and you say, for most of us, parking is our largest non-aeronautical revenue generator. And then, you know, you go through and you look at the other elements. Well, what happens when all of that goes away? So, you know, we're looking at the diversity of our, of our big buckets of non-aeronautical revenue. And we're saying, okay, how do we sweat the assets in terms of the facility itself? And that's where cargo comes into play. The, the real estate comes into play. And then what else are we missing? And, you know, the microgrid, it's not necessarily a non-aeronautical revenue generator, but it is a cost savings and that kind of counts. Um, so, so I think that there's a, yeah, I think there's a focus on what's the diversity of the uh, non-aero rev streams and how much can that really replace? Because even in our case, it's not close to what we need. Okay, okay. Christina Casota, CEO of the Allegheny County Airport Authority. Uh, thanks for taking some time and talking with us. I'll close with this. We've gone through a number of different things. That leaves me with the question, what's next? Anything we should be looking for? Uh, what's what's going to hit my inbox next? What's going to hit your inbox next? Uh, you know, there's a lot more coming on our technology innovation because of the, the ecosystem we sit in here in Pittsburgh. And, and we're going to continue to push the envelope with that and, and uh, look for partners who can come in and make this space much more exciting. So you know, watch your inbox and, and we can talk about it then. Sounds great. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's great catching up as always. Now, thank you, Andy. I, I always enjoy it. Same here.